Hey guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, Kate and I are talking about another one of our book recommendations, The Go-Giver. And we're going to take a little time talking about what makes this book great and uh, some of the lessons from it. Cade, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I know uh, this was another book on our list we for sure wanted to hit in our book reviews. I'm trying to remember way back when, at least I know the first time I read this book was when we were on the Clayson Group, our real estate team. And we started, the team had started to read one book a month. And I think this was our first book we read on the team. Yeah. So that was the first time I've read that book. Uh, I think it was a great recommendation from Jason and Benny to get us to read. And then read it, listened to it multiple times through since, as I'm sure you have, right? Which is the the common storyline with a lot of these books we're reviewing. So we've gotten good feedback on a couple of these book episodes so far. So hopefully this is another one that for you guys who may not want to read the whole book, may not want to listen to the whole book, although we recommend it, you know, we're going to want to try and hit some key points here. Absolutely. I really like this book too, because as somebody who really isn't a huge reader, it's nice that this was told in another one, like who moved my cheese. It's a story form. Yeah. Right. And that makes the book a lot easier to read. I, as always did my audio book this week alone in preparation for this episode, I re-listened to the book twice, took three hours total to read it twice. And uh, it honestly, it reminded me how great the book is. You know, it has a lot of key points that um, lead to a lot of success. And there are ways that, you know, our traditional thought process wouldn't agree. But uh, in implementation, it does work. Yeah. So like you mentioned, this one is told in the short story you know, form just like who moved my cheese. I think our goal today, the book kind of has five overarching, they call them the five laws of stratospheric success. So I think our goal in this episode, we want to cover those five laws, kind of elaborate on them a little bit. Um, and then kind of go from there. Perfect. Well, let's dive right into it. Let's do it. So the story talks a little bit about a guy named Joe and Joe is a struggling salesperson trying to reach his third quarter quota and is on the brink of failure and in desperation here's about this guy who's a big speaker uh he's you know one of the guys is a uh, a consultant for a lot of successful people reaches out in order to try to find some edge and win over an account and make his quota right and he goes he meets with this guy pindar at this you know castle of a house and feels like wow this guy so has so much success and signs himself up to go to lunch with this guy every day of the week to learn about the five laws of stratospheric success, right? Yeah. And as he goes, he starts to realize that what he thinks of when he thinks of succeeding is the exact opposite of what uh, Pindar says. Yeah. And it was interesting because each day he needs to implement the different lessons, right? And so each day you hear a little bit of how to implement some of these things. We're going to talk about the laws themselves, but if you want to understand how the book actually plays into your life, it's helpful to read the book because it does a great job of showing maybe a couple examples. Yeah. And it's cool. um, Like you had mentioned uh, a little bit on the story part is Pindar also kind of connects him with each of these different people in different fields, right? He connects him with a real estate guy, connects him with a banker, connects him with a few of these people who then in the book show him and help him implement each of these five laws, right? So let's jump into it. The first law that pops up in this book is called the law of value. 
which essentially states that your true worth as an individual in the workplace is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in compensation, right? So what, let's dig into that a little bit more. What does that actually really mean? Is it, you know, cause that can be a hefty statement to, to divulge into. Well, I think uh, it's as basic as it sounds, right? So um, your value comes from the amount that you give to the other person. It doesn't have to do with as much of what you take, right? So uh, your value is not going to be dictated on how much they pay you. It's going to be on how much service you provide. It talks a little bit about restaurants and a couple other things, but like for an investor, you know, the, the value would be the investor who understands and brings the best solution not just the bare minimum solution, which would be like the price, right? Yeah. The value might come from the person who's bringing the price and the right timing and the resources and the guidance and all that, right? We get the paid the same amount, right? If you bring the same price, but at the end of the day, the value comes from what you do above and beyond board, what you were originally signing up for. Yeah. Another example, when I was brushing up on the book too, that I came across, which I thought was a good one was, you know, during tax season, right? Say for example, I pay my accountant, my CPA a thousand dollars, you know, to take care of my taxes, but they're able to save me $5,000 that I don't have to pay in taxes right now. I may be only paying them a thousand dollars. They're taking less in payment than they're giving me in value because I have the peace of mind that they're doing everything by the book. They're taking care of it. They have the expertise to do it. And they're saving me a whole lot more money than I'm paying them. Oh, yeah. Right. So and you had mentioned, you know, like a restaurant example, you know, with a bad restaurant where they're doing the bare minimum or, or less than to justify the price they're charging you for the food. Right. And, or a good restaurant where they're exceeding the value that they're charging you for yeah. the price. Right. Or a great restaurant where everything is literally so unbelievable the experience is unbelievable right to where you don't even really think about the price that you're paying 100 percent. yeah i think this is the law that probably plays the biggest uh influence on how people should be thinking you know the reason why this book became so successful is because it's contrary to what human nature thinks right so we think um our goal is to set you know a very specific goal you know i'm going to do this work and in response, you're going to pay me this much. And you limit yourself when you do it that way because you've limited how much work you're going to do because you're trying to just do the bare minimum to get paid. And the people that find stratospheric success or that climb the tiers quicker or who honestly enjoy the better life, uh, they go above and beyond board. And we can all think of people who really go out of their way to develop systems that just they do more than what the bare minimum standard would be. You know, uh, closing gifts. No realtor's contract says that you're going to provide a closing gift, right? But a lot of really good realtors provide the closing gift. Or, uh, you know, they take care of certain things for you, right? They go above and beyond board and they get cleaners out there, right? Those are the things that are going to push you up in success without even asking, right? You're yeah. giving better service. And in response, your value goes up. Well, let's talk that while we're on the law of value, we were just in the car driving to your flip earlier this week. And you were talking to me about an appointment you went on and a lot of investors, when they go into appointments, it can, especially newer investors, 
they're really, you know, can be easy to get, you know, in real estate sales, we call it commission breath or, you know, when you're on the appointment, it can be very easy to come across as desperate, money hungry and stuff like that. Um, when you were on that Van Ness appointment, real quick, do you mind breaking down some of the value that you provided on that appointment that helped you go above and beyond just the bare minimum? Well, yeah. So Kate and I, we talked about value proposition a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Our value proposition is that we come as both reputable realtors and experienced investors. And I had a seller who had a portfolio who needed help. And it was a, diver a diverse portfolio. She had uh, you know, essentially like a almost a million dollar home, uh, a $400,000 home, a $200,000 home, and then a condo. And she needed to figure out what she's going to do with these properties. And so I went, did some research, figured out the numbers for, you know, cash purchase listing or anywhere in between and came back to her. And one of the first things she said is I need to talk to a, a financial advisor and I need to talk to an attorney for an eviction. And I had those contacts and I just gave it to her and I said, Hey, here you go one of the financial advisors, he's actually a licensed realtor. Who knows if he tries to steal the business? I have so much faith that he's not going to. He's a reputable guy, but I've never actually talked to him. But I know a lot of people who know him and I'm hoping that works out well. Um, we also talked about uh, how the eviction process works. And I said, even if you don't sell it to me, even if you kept this property, and even if you didn't list it, you still want a bad non-paying tenant out. So let's get them out and then let's talk about what the right solution is. And with her house, I said, look, here's some of the things that we might want to do, regardless of if you sell or not, to, in order to maintain the asset, right? So um, I think the point you're getting at is for each property, we just brought a little bit of value that most people wouldn't even have or thought to have. They might have tried to pin her in a corner and say, well, you need to do it this route. And to me, I said, no matter what you do, even if you didn't sell a single house, as long as you're you were serviced and you don't need anything else real estate wise, I know that I did what I need to do and the next deal will pop up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. It comes back to walking in to the appointment, not only to deliver value, but knowing the more value that you bring, obviously, you know, it kind of leads us into our next law, it, you know, indirectly the more money you're going to make. Right. right. So that leads us into the second law the book talks about, which is, you know, one of a lot of people's favorite things to talk about a lot. <laughs> one of the most important things to a lot of people is their compensation, your right. income. Which, right. Let's talk about that for a second, because <laughs> in the book they talk about, well, just because I give more value, I don't make more money. Yeah. And they said, correct. But if you only think about giving value and you don't lead with thinking about making money, the money is a result of the value. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's all I want to put. Yeah. So the law of compens compensation essentially says in the book that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Yep. Which think about it from our investor perspective, our agent perspective, any, any sales perspective, right? Solar, any of this stuff, right? It makes sense. If you think about it, the more people you reach, the more people you touch and how well you serve them, right, is going to directly affect your income. Absolutely. When, when you're out there door knocking, you know, getting all those touches in, how many people are you talking to? How are your conversations going with them? Because you can go and hit a bunch of people, right? But if you're not serving them well, then it doesn't matter. You can talk to as many people as you want and not get compensated. That's such a good point. 
you know, we talk about getting the funnel, the top of the funnel leads really jam packed, right? Get as many people, you know, into the streamline of your business. But the same way, if we don't lead with value with those people, you still aren't going to, you're not going to close. So you need to focus on each person I talk to. Can I bring value to them? Do more than what they were expecting. Hey, outside of real estate, is there anything you need help with? Oh yeah, I'm looking for a car. Oh, here's a connection to a car guy, right? And then for the compensation side, you just got to expand the number of people you talk to and the number of people who you effectively influence through the value of bringing value, solving problems, whatever, that's how you get compensated. And that's where the monetary gain comes back. Yeah. It, and it can be tough too. I, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the book, you know, Joe, the main character of the book, you know, it's almost hard for him to to put both of these in action because it seems completely contradictory to how he's been throughout his whole working life. Right. Right. They explain he's a go getter. He, he's not lazy. Right. But he's hit this part to where, you know, he's trying to get more business, trying to hit these quotas, trying to grow himself. Right. But if you're not leading with these things, the income is not going to follow. Right. And it's funny because the go getter obviously is the opposite of a go giver. <laughs> and, he gets referred to as a go-getter a lot. And it was funny because in the book they reference it and they're like, Oh, you're a go-getter. But that's like kind of like an insult, you know, in that group. And so they're saying, Oh, you, you know, what a good go-getter you are. And especially in the world that we live in with, you know, business owners and, and startups and all that, the go-getter mindset, the grinding mindset, that's kind of ideal, uh, ideally idolized, idolized, idolized. I think that's what, and uh, it's interesting because the guys who find massive success kind of look down on that. And they say, no, you need to be going out. And instead of going and doing everything you can to make money, you're going out and you're doing everything you can to give value. And the money follows. And, I, you know, we talk about a lot of people locally. And the reason why is because the people that are doing the right things deserve to be shouted out. Right. And there's a couple guys that come to mind when I think of go giver. Uh who they're leading with value and honestly they do not ask for anything in return and jason obviously comes to mind because for us he did a lot for us and never asked for really anything in return um but like dean rogers hosting meetups putting out stuff now all of course some of these guys are putting out courses and whatnot but again that comes back to how many lives are they influencing they couldn't be getting paid if they didn't actually successfully help people um stratton brown is another guy right? Hopefully our podcast is doing something. It's part of what inspired us to do the podcast was how many people could we talk to? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important before we move on to the next law to kind of hit an overarching point with this one, because like you were mentioning it, it, you need to be leading with value, right? Your income is going to be a direct result of how many people are you reaching? How well are you serving them and how much value are you bringing? Because if you're not leading with those three things, you're not going to be compensated with a salary. That's going to make you very happy. Absolutely. Right. I think those are all really good points. This book has a lot of really good points too. I mean, this is not a super dense read, not, but no, not I reread it twice because the first time I got a couple points and the second time I got different points and it's an easy read, but you know, just like how to win friends and influence people. This isn't stuff that's crazy, but in implementation, sometimes we forget. Yeah. And when we start, I, I was just thinking about that. 
we did start the podcast because we were thinking how could we talk to the most people and provide the same like the answers that people always are asking how can we get that to the most people and we decided that a podcast would be a correct way of doing it yeah you that's a good point because we had somebody who came up to us in the office or came up to you the other day in the office and i had overheard him they were talking about the that episode of how to win friends and influence people and they were saying a lot of this stuff I feel like I already knew it felt like common sense, but I needed to be told it heard kind of how reminded. to do it reminded and then put it into action. And they were like, literally I I've seen a difference in the week since I've listened to the episode implementing some of this stuff. So I, I think it's good. The book is super quick. It's a quick read a little over maybe 120 pages, just like uh, who moved my cheese. So it's not too hefty quick read quick uh audio listen um let's let, go yeah let's go let's to the next one so law number three is the law of influence and what the law of influence states is that your influence your reach is determined by how abundantly you place others needs before your own Ugh. <laughs> this is such an important one here's here's something that we need to talk about when you work in the business that we are in, which would be real estate specifically, in any faction of it, this is where people make huge life decisions. And if you don't accurately put other people's intentions first, I promise you, you are not going to succeed. And if your main motivation is making a check or your main motivation is, you know, winning, you know, in something, you're not going to ever win. And if you put other people first, you're going to find that there's success everywhere. You could literally have every opportunity imaginable if you put others first. Yeah, this reminds me when we were giving a presentation to the office here at Keller Williams, we were talking about value proposition and negotiating and stuff like that. But we talked more importantly about acting as a fiduciary, right? Putting your client's needs before your own doing what is best for the client or the seller or the buyer ahead of your own interests, right? Exactly like you said, you can't be in it out to go get a check. You can't be in it looking and, you know, only putting your interests at heart to go and do something because you will not find right. very much success. And if you do, it's not going to be very sustainable at all. And you're not going to be able to live with yourself. I really think that people are generally good. And I think that if you go out and you take advantage of somebody who's in a bad spot and, you know, you you just really drive that knife into them, you're not going to be happy with who you are. And what I will also say is you can buy a house at a discount and it be looking out for the seller's interest, right? You know, when we're investors, we have to clarify like, look, I'm not working on your behalf at all. I am my own interested party, but when we talk to them, we say, look, here's what we're seeing. Here's what you could possibly do on the open market. And here's what you could do as a direct sale. And if the direct sale makes sense, I would love to do that. You know, and we leave it up to them. It's a consultative approach and there's no pressure. And the reason why is because we're looking out and we're saying, what would you like to do? Because either way, even if you don't sell it to me, I at least gave you an update on where your property's at, right? Exactly. Yeah. And doing the exact opposite of cornering a seller and trying to pinch them in a corner 
right? If you're going on an appointment, pinching them in a corner, being extra salesy, saying, hey, I can do this, you know, let, let's do it now. What, what else do you need for me? I can give you this, this, and this and be done, right? But in order, you've got to take a step back, yeah. right? And, and not exactly like, like you said, from our perspective as investors and as agents, taking that consultative approach. Yes, as an investor, we do have interests at heart, right? At the end of the day, we don't try to hide the fact that we are in this to make a profit. And we say that exact line in every appointment. <laughs> that exact line. Our goal is to provide the sellers with all of their options. And just like you mentioned, the seller, put it in the hands of the seller to choose what option is best for them. Yes. This again, we're talking about the law of influence. And the reason why it's called the law of influence is because when you develop a reputation for looking out for other people, what you develop is trust in a group of raving clients, raving fans, raving warriors, whatever you want to call it. And what ends up happening when you've developed that kind of a relationship with that many people is referrals come in so much faster than you could ever imagine. And if anybody's in sales, you understand that referral business is way better than trying to go out and be a go-getter, hunting for business, taking advantage of things, going that route. When you can be known as a guy that people refer to when it comes to real estate and they come to you and you actually solve their problems and you put their problems first and you help them through that, the compensation will come and it will come crazy amounts. I mean, you will have more referrals than you can deal with if you can get really good at providing value and putting the, uh, putting the client's needs first. Yeah, I know we use Jason and a lot of the examples we talk about, but particularly for the law of influence, right? Think about how many people fill up and, you know, reserve a spot in his meetups every month, right? A couple Two, hundred. 200, 250 plus, right? And like Jason has shared in a lot of those meetups, half of his business traditionally is coming from these referrals. It's coming from people coming to him saying, hey, I've got a deal. Can you help me with it? Or, hey, I've got this deal. I want you to take care of it. You know, if it works, it works, right? Half of his business coming from referrals. And he's wholesaling deals because he can't buy them all because he has too many already. And I mean, what a good problem to have that comes back to essentially his influence in the Central Valley, right? So the point we're trying to get at is it, you know, the way you abundantly put other people's needs first and even touching back on a couple of the other laws, providing value to other people, it's going to directly result in your referrals, how many people you're you know, reaching out to, your compensation, all that sort of stuff. We're going to change the podcast, Dave, to the Pursuit of Jason podcast. <laughs> I, I feel like that'd be a fair change. We, we reference him a lot. Um, <laughs> here was something that was kind of interesting. Uh, I had written it down because... Um, we always talk about win-win situations and this book slapped me right in the face and it goes, stop talking about win-win solutions. Win-win is keeping score. It means neither party got ahead. Maybe that is right. And that would be something I need to look into more. Right. And I admit that I'm wrong a lot more often than I'd like to admit, but it says stop keeping score. When you help somebody don't expect that to come back. Right. That was part of the law of influence. When you help the other person, expect that that's just the right thing to do. And it is going to be the right thing to do always, regardless of if that person will ever be able to pay you back. And 
he talked about like when you stop keeping track of a win-win, that's, you know, win-win is just like bargaining, right? I mean, it's just negotiating. When you give freely, good things come back. Yeah, and you've got to approach it from the mindset that, to, you know, well, and it comes back to the phrase, give and you shall receive, which is what this book is literally preaching, to, you know, throughout these laws and throughout its story, right? Give and you shall receive, but do not be giving you know, expecting or feel, feeling like you're entitled to receive something back just right. because you're giving. Right. Well, I think that's a good segue into our fourth law, which is especially important. We see, especially in our business, well, and especially in life, it's the fourth law is the law of authenticity, which is essentially saying the most valuable gift that you have and that you have to offer is yourself. Yeah. So we talk about this all the time. We see people in our business or see people on social media. We, we like to think we have in people listening. I, a lot of people have a good sense of when people are be, not being authentic and when they are being authentic. Right. And traditionally, the people who are seeing the most success, having, you know, the most influence and providing the most value are the people who are authentic on or off social media you know, on or off air, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. The book does a really great job. It talks about the speaker who's now like one of the top agents and all this. And she said that she came down to a day when she realized like, okay, like what do I even have to offer? I don't have experience. I don't have, you know, knowledge of the contracts, nothing. She walked into the house and started showing it as if it was just her friend. And she stops thinking about like, oh my gosh, I have to do this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden she started closing deals and she realized like the only thing she can really bring is herself and being authentic and being genuine and looking out for the client's interests. That's it. Yeah. And she blew up to massive success. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I feel like we've talked about uh, one of the things I'm going to bring up in a previous podcast, but take the example of being on an investment appointment, right? You're meeting with the seller at a house and the seller says, yeah, you know, you know, I'm looking to retire. You know, I love golfing and, you know, I want to spend some more time golfing. If you as the investor know nothing about golf, do not golf yourself. Do not start schmoozing up to the seller or the potential seller and saying, oh yeah, I, I love to golf too. And all this sort of stuff, because it, it'll come back to bite you in the ass. Right. And, and if you're not coming from that authentic standpoint, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Why would you even lie about it to build rapport? rapport. <laughs> like, I don't get that. And I'll say that I've made that mistake before. And if you say that you haven't made that mistake, you're just lying. Yes. You're just lying. Because <laughs> it's it's tempting when, when you're trying to, you know, keep a good, you know, conversation going with a seller and they say, I really like R, you know, RC planes. And you think to yourself, I'll talk about planes. But you have no actual interest in planes like, you know, remote controlled airplanes. It's going to become apparent. And then the seller's going to think to themselves like, dude, if you're lying about liking airplanes, what else are you lying about? When the right answer would be like, dude, that's super cool. And you can ask them about it. You know, how to win friends and influence people. Ask them about it. Try to learn. Try to develop a genuine interest. But like if you are just faking it like you already were really like, I'm big into RC planes. Like that's going to backfire so bad. And being able to be like, oh, that's super dope. Like, what got you into it? You know, and 
that kind of stuff, that's still going to build rapport. You're still going to be a friendly guy, but you don't have to say like, Oh, I, you know, I used to fly, you know, RC planes back when, you know, I was growing up, blah, blah, blah. Like if that's not true, that's not true. Yeah. I think that's all those points you hit on are so important. And again, if you're uh, the standpoint I'm coming from is if, if you're not being authentic, just like if you're not giving more in value than you're taking, just like, you know, you're providing, uh, putting other people's needs before you out your own, right? You're not going to see the success unless you're being authentic. And when you're not, it becomes scarily, you know, scary apparent, right? To people on the outside. Yeah. Let's talk about the last one, dude. Let's do it. The whole book. Joe's been implementing these different laws, right? And each day he's implementing it. And it gets down to the last day. And each day he's met somebody new, right? And the last day, it's the Friday guest, right? And he's trying to figure out who it is. He's trying to figure out who it is. And it comes to the last day and he finds out who it is. And it's him. He's the receiver. And it's the law of, rece- uh, law of receptivity. I don't know why I'm struggling to say stuff today. <laughs> and uh, it's the idea that, like, in order to be a good giver, you also have to be open to others giving back to you. That's why compensation plays a part. And by not being good receiver, you stop others from giving. Yeah. The one example that stands out in my mind here is if you are out to lunch, right, or you're out you know, getting drinks with buddies or, you know, out with family, out with friends and someone offers to cover your tab, right? Someone offers to cover your drinks, whatever it is, you know, you can say, no, no, that's okay. Once, right. You can say it one time that, Hey, Hey man, I really appreciate it. I'd love to. Hey, you don't need to do that, man. But if they insist, if they say, no, man, really, I I got you. Let, Let me get you this time. You've got to let the other people, you, you can't, exactly like you said, don't take others' ability to give. You've got to be open to receiving. All right, here's here's how I would probably put it. The five laws of stratospheric success develop you to be a giving person at all times. But for every give, there's a receive. And if you don't have your fair share of receiving and being open to it and being gracious, you stop others from having the same stratospheric success. And as much as you want to always give, there's always a balance to it. And it's just very interesting. It's the idea of look out for the other person. They'll look out for you. Yeah. And literally this goes back to it. All the, all of these laws tie tie in together so well, man. And it's, and it's exactly, if you're following these first four laws and you're putting others, people's interest before your own you're giving you're giving you're giving a lot of the reason people take that next jump like in the book joe is in this q3 he's a go-getter you know he's doing well but you know it's time for him to level up he's missing his he was missing his quotas he had missed q1 and q2 so and there's something missing there right in order to follow all of these four and five laws together to give and exactly like you had mentioned your compensation being tied into the receiving, whether it's, you know, other people wanting to give to you, whether it's directly your compensation given, you shall receive 
referrals, uh, JV deals, uh, all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. The end of the book is interesting because he goes on and he develops like this huge coffee organization that, you know, is doing crazy things and, and he, he reaches the stratospheric success. The point of the book being that at the end, he goes to teach the next person, right? I think this business is very interesting. Everybody listening to this podcast knows something they could teach another person. And if you tell yourself that all I can do is go to people and ask, ask, ask for help, you're thinking of it wrong. And you need to start thinking about what could I give, give, give the help will come. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point too, because what we've hammered and what Stratton talked about Stratton Brown, when we just had him on the podcast is bringing value to somebody else. What as you, as you, as an individual, what can you give to somebody? What value can you provide them in order to, you know, receive something back advice, mentorship, coaching, anything like that. Right. And we see it every day in our business. We try to, you know, obviously provide value and and give our time and our experiences, you know, however, as little little as it may be (laughs) to anybody who reaches out. Right. And, and it comes back to, you know, I, I know at least speaking from our perspective with the podcast, with a bunch of new investors who always reach out. Right. I, we always say, we're, we're an open book. We would not be where we are now if somebody else didn't do the same exact thing that we're now trying to do, Yeah. right? Which is provide the value, give information, be helpful. Be a resource. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's a little bit of a shorter episode today, but that really wraps up my thoughts uh, on the Go-Giver-Cade. Anything else that you want to talk about? No, I think I'm just going to read the cover off real quick. So it's the Go-Giver, and it's a little story about a powerful business idea. And I think that tagline is just super important. I know we've talked about it just in a short amount of time in this podcast, but I really think this one is one that you've got to go out and read, go out and listen to. And I think it'll more than give its value than what you'd be paying for the book, right? Or paying for the audible a hundred percent. Just like the other books that we've reviewed on this podcast, uh, you know, the go giver will affect your business, your marriage, your friendships, your personal life, everything. And, uh, it would be a really good read. It's not going to take you very long. And uh, we encourage you guys to tag along in this book journey. Hey, and just a quick thing. If you guys have any books that you've read, I, I feel like Scott and I, we've read or listened to our fair share of books. If there's a book out there that you guys have listened or read to that's had a big impact or big takeaways from you, I know uh, we're trying to put in as many books as we can. But if you guys have any recommendations, one we one you guys would like us to hit on, uh, to give to our audience, please do. We appreciate all of the feedback, positive or negative, helps us to provide a better podcast experience for you guys. We've got a couple hundred of you listening every week, so we need somebody to answer. Uh, you know, we've we've asked for some recommendations before, and we've gotten a few people in passing mention stuff. But feel free, drop a comment, shoot us a text, you know, DM us, whatever. We'd love to get an idea of what you guys want us to talk about, and maybe look into we really are looking always for new good books perfect thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the pursuit of property podcast talking about the go-giver we'll be back here next week thursday 11 a.m we'll see you then